So when we were in our early 20s, Christy and I, uh, Christy's family's in Chicago. We were in Denver. It's still the same case now. Um, but her whole family decided to come out to go skiing or to, to visit um, over spring break or something like that. And, and they decided they're going to come and drive to Denver from Chicago. But they all had to work the day that they wanted to leave, and then they didn't get out the door quite as fast as they wanted. So by the time they got the door, it was pretty late. And so Joe, Christy's brother, was started driving, and everybody promptly fell asleep. And he was fine. He's like, you guys cool? Take a nap. I, I'm feeling good. I'll, I'll drive. So he's driving. A couple hours go by. A couple hours go by. And then Katie, Christy's sister, wakes up and was like, hey, Joe, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. You know, like, hey, Joe, where are we? He's like, well, we, we got to be getting close to St. Louis now. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who aren't laughing right now, let's look at a map of the typical route from Chicago to Denver looks like this, okay? Everybody kind of internalize that. This is how you get from Chicago to St. Louis, is like that, okay? Joe, we're not supposed to go to St. Louis on the way to Denver, Katie said. And they had a good laugh and like quick turn west. And, you know, it, when they got there, we were laughing about it. We still laugh about it to this day. Like, don't let Joe drive because he'll take you to St. Louis when you don't want to go. And I was, la I was thinking about it. I was like, man, what, what if they didn't catch it? Where would they have ended up? And they would have ended up here. That's Houston. Yeah, so just so if you're not good with maps or directions, like if you drive from to St. Louis from Chicago and keep going, that goes to Houston, not Denver, which I also got a kick out of me, like them thinking about like, man, if they didn't know and all of a sudden they're like, what are all these barbecue joints doing here? And like people have drawl in, in Denver, you know, like but they, they made it to Denver and it was a funny story. Because um, it turns out in the, the world of navigation, direction determines destination, right? You can say it like that. Direction determines your destination. Let's use an example that's a little closer to home. Say, for instance, today, right after church, you decide you want to go skiing. You go home. You, you get all your gear together. You get your helmet, your goggles, your skis. You make sure you get your ski pass. Like, when we go skiing as a family, like, there's this checklist, you know. You do the checklist. You put all of that in the car, and then you start driving, and you get on I-70 East. And you drive for a couple of hours. And all of a sudden, you'll start to notice that you're not in Vale or Breckenridge or Silverthorne. You're in Lyman, okay, which is halfway to Kansas, which I've read there's no ski hills in Kansas to speak of. Like, it, it'll be, you know, it's a wonderful place. Don't get me wrong, Caleb. It's a great place, but it's not where you want to go skiing. You can drive on I-70 for a long time east and you'll probably hit the Atlantic Ocean before you run into a ski resort. Why? Because your direction, say it with me, your direction determines destination, right? We're in this series called The Principle of the Path. And, and the principle of the path is, is this, that direction determines destination. We can say it another way that, that you can say it a, a little bit differently. You can say your direction not your intention determines your destination. As much as you intend to go skiing, driving I-70 on east, you're not going to get a chance to do so. You can, you can desire to, I really want to ski, but as long as you're driving east on I-70, it's not going to turn out right. Your, your direction in life, not your intention, determines 
your destination. And see, this works outside of the world of navigation. This works in, 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 in life as well in all sorts of different, when it comes to your finances, your kids, your marriage, your future, your friendship, your career, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. In the end, what determines whether you get to your goals and your career or finances or with your kids, what determines that is not whether you want it or not. It's whether you're actually going toward it. That's what the principle of the path is. Say, for instance, in your th say, say you're 30 years old and you, d you, you make a decision, I want to be financially free by the age of 50. Or if you're 40 and it's 60 or, you know, like whatever you say, in like 20 years, I want to be financially free. And that's a good goal and you tell all your friends, right? But then you go out and you never make a budget and you eat, all, eat out all the time. You put a bunch of debt on credit cards. Guess where you're not going to end up? You're not going to be financially free in 20 years, right? Because you're forming a path away from financial decision with freedom with those decisions. Say, for instance, like you've got a, a you, you dream of, of having a, a meaningful relationship with your adult children someday. But over time, you, 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 you pri constantly prioritize work over them and you, you you go in early, you stay late, you miss games, you miss concerts and recitals. That's forming a path away from a dynamic, I mean, honestly, like I, I heard one said, like, like the goal of parenting is not friendship in the beginning because you can't be friends with your little kids, they just aren't good friends. <laughs> but uh, to raise them in such a way that, that when they later leave, like when they leave the house, they want to come back and there's a friendship there, like that's the goal, if that's what we want. There's a path to that or there's a path away from that. And as much as we desire to have that, uh, our di the direction determines whether we get to that destination or not. Say, for instance, students, you want to go to a certain college, and maybe it's a little tough to get into. And you make that decision, you're like, I want mom, dad, I want to go to this college. Or I want to go to this career. I want to go this direction. But you don't take the hard classes because, it, like, they're hard. You don't take certain classes because they're difficult, but they would be good for your application. You, you don't study, you know, like you, you don't study that much, and, and maybe you like stay up all night before you take the SAT or ACT. You're probably not going to get into the college you want. In each of these cases, it wasn't a lack of desire, right? It was the fact that you went east on I-70 to go skiing. You made decisions that formed a direction away from it. Uh, and you failed to realize the cumulative result of the decisions and how they formed a path away from what we actually want in life. Financial freedom, strong relationships, the dream of going to a certain college. Because that's just kind of how life works. Direction determines destination. Your direction, not your intention, determines your destination and where we go in life. And here's the deal. As a pastor... And a communicator, there, there are certain things that I'm passionate about. There's certain things I like talking about. I love talking about baked goods and sermons, dumb and dumber quotes, and wise choice. Like honestly, wise choices. We do a series as a church every every 18 months or so on wise choices because I just can't stay away from them because I love you too much. Like seriously, I I, I care for you too much to not talk about this. 
And so it's like one of those things that I'm just passionate about. And I think where it came from is it's over the years, walk, having the, the, the pleasure of walk and the honor of walking with people through life of all different ages, of all different sizes, all different life backgrounds, right? But specifically, like in my years of youth ministry, I, got, I get to see students become young men and women become adults and then get married and, and, and get, I get to see that the... The, the, I get to see them, some of them were on a, wrong, the, a different path, and they're like, no, I want to go this way. I want a path that goes towards this kind of life, and they make a change. And then years later, I get to see the result of that awesome marriage, and they start having kids, or they, you know, like they, they start realizing dreams, and it's like, yes, this is awesome, and I want that for all of us. And then, there's, of course, there's the flip side. There's this, the other side of the coin, the other side of the story, where, it's, where I watch people go down the wrong path, and they, they, you know, like, and no matter who, who's talking with them, it's, just, it's like, man, there's nothing I can say. They're just kind of doing their thing, and they're just going that direction, and they don't think that it's that big of a deal. I'm just, you know, it's just a phase, or I'm just dating her for a little bit, or I'm doing whatever, and all of a sudden, it just all comes crashing down, and maybe I get a phone call late at night, and it's like I'm helping them sort it out, and there's, there's, there's confusion and it's difficult, and I, at what I'm thinking in my head as they're saying, like, what's so sad about it is, like, they're, they're, they're telling their story, and it's like, man, I didn't even see it coming, and I, I, it just pains me because it's like, I did. I saw that coming. I saw those decisions you were making, and you didn't think that they meant anything or that, you know, like, it was just, you know, them being, you know, young, but it ended up being that's what the direction they went as adults trying to sort that. See, I see both sides of the coin, and, and you do too, right? Come on. We, we all see that. We all get those phone calls. We all see that playing live 24-7 in front of us with the people we work with, friends of ours, people we love, our kids. That's why I'm passionate about this idea of wise choices, of, of, of making, of, 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 of picking the right path and going towards it so that we can realize certain things in our life. And when we do, life has a way of coming to life. That's the principle of the path. I want something for you. I really do throughout this discussion in the weeks to come. I want something for us as a church. I want us, uh, yeah, I want to see this principle work in our favor. And you know what's cool is when you open up scripture, you start to see that God wants that too. That God is in favor of us. That God, like, like, like okay, if God is a heavenly father, when you open up, if, if, and if the Bible is his word, when you open it up, no surprise, there's all sorts of guidance for life. There's all sorts of guidance for, for wise decisions in life. And we get to see it, and, and honestly, like, um, we're going to look at a passage today, and this is cool. Um, this wasn't even on purpose. I was thinking about just, like, acting like it was on purpose and just going with it. Like, yeah, I planned this for months, but I didn't. Like, we, a couple weeks ago, we preached, uh, I was preaching on the Sermon on the Mount and the Beatitudes where, where Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount is, is Jesus' most famous sermon. It's found in Matthew 5 through 7. And in that, in that, that verse, the, that sermon probably was kind of like Jesus' stump speech. 
Like any time he was in a new place, he probably went back to these, these, the things he said in the Sermon on the Mount. His disciples probably heard it all the time. We know that because a lot of the disciples write down in their, uh, in their gospel, they write down portions of it. Each, each gospel has a portion of the Sermon on the Mount because it's just like Jesus preached it all the time. It was like, this is what it means. You want to know what I'm about? This is what, my, what, what, what it's about. You want to follow me? This is what it looks like to follow me. You want to know what my kingdom's about? This is what my kingdom's about. It was his spiel. It was his shtick. It was his stump speech as he went around. And it was different. Matthew, at the end of the verse today, we won't read it, but it, Jesus gets done saying, done preaching the, the Sermon on the Mount. He says, amen. And the people are like, oh, my goodness. The, this guy speaks with authority that like we've never seen before in our lives. Not like these the teachers of the law that have all these nuances and things are great. Like he's telling it how it is. And he's telling about how, what life in his kingdom. You want to follow me, this is what it looks like. And honestly, if you've never read the Sermon on the Mount, it might be a good place to start. You'll read it and you'll say, oh, I've heard that. Because on the Sermon on the Mount, he covers everything from money to marriage um, he talks about how to pray, how to deal with stress, how to handle difficult people. I mean, all in just quick. I mean, it's like it, it would take you four minutes to read through. I suggest taking a little bit more time than that and chewing on some of it. But it, it's amazing stuff. When we started last, the couple weeks ago when we were preaching on this, when I was preaching on this, we started at the beginning. And at the beginning of this, it, it, just to support this idea that God wants good things for us, Honestly, you could call it like the beginning of this sermon. You could call that sermon. I said this last week, last time we talked about it, but it, you could say this is Jesus's guide to a happy life. Jesus's guide to happiness because he starts with that word blessed. Remember that? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed, which also means what? We talked about that. Happy. It's probably better translated happy. Because we don't use the word blessed, but we use the word happy. All of us are on a happiness quest. Do you know that God joins you on your happiness quest? But here's the thing. It's a double-edged sword. Jo God joins us on our happiness quest, but we quickly learn that Jesus wants to be happy, but the road to happiness is difficult. Remember we talked about this? That sometimes the good news of the gospel is bad news. First, blessed are those who mourn. And we talked about how last, last time we talked about how... Um, Sometimes the best way to be happy is to be sad first, <laughs> to face the hard things in our lives and push through them, work through them, and so that we can truly be happy in the future, not just pretend we're happy. That's Jesus knows that. He's like, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are hungry. Blessed are those who thirst. Because he knows that, that to be truly rich, what Jesus is saying is to be truly rich means that, that you, you join with those who are poor in their poverty. <laughs> And that leads to the type of life that's truly happy. He goes on, and it's, just, it's kind of this juxtaposition, right, of, of, yes, happiness is through these difficult things. And I think that's a perfect theme for the idea of the principle of the path, right? Because sometimes, like, like happy, happy for some of us means we need to stop, turn exactly 180 degrees around, and have the humility to look at what we need to backtrack, to be happy. That's the principle of the path. The principle of the path is we can get on the wrong one. 
and there are times in our lives, and if you're a Christian, if you're, if you're a Jesus follower, there's, there was a time in our life, maybe you can remember it, where you, you, you prayed a prayer like that, where you, you were going down a path, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh no, this path is not just bad financially, or not just bad relationally, I'm actually walking away from God himself, and I need to stop. And repent. And, and I don't know if you've heard the word repent growing up if you went to church. Repent literally just means this. It just means to turn around. It just means to turn 180. What I have been doing is wrong. These footsteps are wrong. And then do what it takes to backtrack out of them. That's the principle of the path. And, and Jesus here is like this is a perfect setup. The beginning of this of his sermon is, hey, here's my guide on how to be happy. And then he ends the sermon where we're going to pick up today. We're going to actually, and again, I want you to read the middle on your own time, and it's a good read. But he ends the sermon with this illustration. Again, if you grew up in church, you know this one. So don't like skip to the end and blow right past it, right? If you, and if you grew up in a church like mine, you know a song to it. You can sing a song. Hopefully I won't bust out into song because I'm no, I'm no gherkin twin. So, um, but we're found in Matthew 7, verse 24. And Jesus says this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine. Again, he's coming to the end of his sermon. He, he just preached a sermon and covered all sorts of different topics. He's like, anybody who hears this, okay, if you hear all of these things that I said about adultery, about oaths, about murder, about, about prayer, anybody who hears these words of mine and then what? Goes home and forgets about them. Anyone who hears these words of mine says, man, that's a good sermon. Where are we going to lunch? Any, no, no, no. He says, anyone who hears these words of mine and what? Puts them into practice. That's really what this whole church thing is about. That's really what the whole, like, like be, being a Christian is, is. When you read the Bible, it's not just to read the Bible. It's to read the Bible and then say, okay, Lord, this is how I look at life. But I'm, I'm coming to the Bible, to your word, to see what your take on life is, and, I'm, and then I'm going to apply that and follow. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. A lot of, like, this is like an occupational hazard for me. Like, I grew up in a church setting that's like, where you, it, church was good if you feel bad about yourself by the end of the Sunday morning. Like, oh man, that was really, wow. Okay, when did the Broncos play? And then you move on. Like, like if, if that's the way you're doing church, you're doing it wrong. It, Jesus says, therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and what puts them into practice, it's not just good enough to hear them, right? It's like this. It's like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Now, this word wise, you've heard me define wise is this way. A wise man is not necessarily smart. Wise and smart are different, you know, like, like I've heard, like, being smart is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, being wise is not putting it in fruit salad. It's just like, you know, like there's a difference between wise and smart. Um, the, a wise, wise man is not necessarily smart, he's not necessarily rich, 
although sometimes wisdom leads to those things. A wise person is just one that knows that, that this right here is connected to that right there, that this moment of time is connected to that moment of time, that my past is connected to my future, which will my present, which will determine my future. The wise man knows that, like, no, those decisions that I made in the past, that's why I'm here now, good, bad, or ugly, right? A wise person knows that life is connected. It's all connected. So he says, you know, it's like if anyone who listens to me is like a wise man who knows that life's connected, who built his house on a rock. To build means that this guy chose to build. Like, like he, he did work. He, he built um, he, he chose, he calculated, he, uh, built his house. The house, see, parables, parables are always symbolic. And you and I are in every parable. The, the idea, when Jesus spoke in parables, he, the purpose was to say, okay, that's a metaphor. Where do I fit in it? So in this case, we're, there's going to be a wise guy and there's going to be a fool. And then it's our, our job to be like, okay, which one am I? In this case, the, the, the house is built, is his life, is, is our life. The uh, uh, house means your relationships, your money, the, the accumulation of what's important to your accomplishments, what you're proud of, what you've done. That's your life. And we build our lives by the decisions we make. This is, this is, the, this is the illustration God, uh, Jesus is giving to us. We, he built his house on a rock. And in this, the rock represents the hard way. The time-consuming way. To build on rock is expensive because it's hard to fasten to. It's hard to level out so that you can build on. It's hard to find sometimes, right? So to build your house on a rock, it was him choosing the more difficult path. It's the slow way. There's a, a, a few houses going up in our neighborhood right now. I'm always amazed at the time from breaking ground to where you see the first piece of wood. It takes forever. You ever notice that? Pay attention if you ever, ever noticed that, like, like from the time, oh, there's a new house going in here. It'll be cool to see what it looks like. And then four months later, you're like, man, these guys are not good at their job. Like, it seems like they're just, like, really slow. And then all of a sudden, what's, what's happening in there, if you're not familiar with construction, is they're making painstakingly, they're, they're, they're taking this, the decision of where to put the house and how to lay the foundation very seriously. Because if you don't lay that right, it ruins everything, right? So this guy, he's wise. He find, finds a rock. He takes the time and the labor to build on that rock, to build his life on that rock. And it says this, the rains came down and the streams rose up and the winds blew and beat against the house, beat against his life, but it didn't fall because it had a foundation on the rock. And Jesus is saying, listen, listen, when you follow me, it's like that. When you not only just hear the words that I'm saying today, but actually put them into practice. It's like that. When the winds and the, the, the storms come and the water rises in life, which it does, right? You don't fall. It's a promise. It, it, it's, it's a promise from Jesus. Bill, it's, it's an invitation from Jesus to, 
hey, come build your life on this stuff, on these principles, on my way. But there's another guy in the story, right? There's, there's, there's a second dude, verse 26. But everybody who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. A fool is a person who doesn't see that life is connected. Either because they don't believe it or because they just don't even notice it. Like they don't even think about it. They're just going about life. They don't, they don't see that A is connected to B, is connected to Z, where I'd ultimately like to be. My desire is to be over here in life financially with my relationships, with, you know, like spiritually, with my relationship with God. All of these things, are like, that's where I want to be. And they fail to, a fool is one who fails to recognize that it's all connected, that A is connected to B is connected to Z. And guess what? We've all played the fool. We've all done it. We've all talked ourselves into bad decisions saying something like this. It, it's just this. It's, it's only, you know, it's just a date. We mit, like that, like like all. Some of you are smiling right now because you've been like, I've done that before. Like like I've I, I've played the fool. I've been like, this isn't that big of a deal. What I do today isn't connected to tomorrow. <laughs> and we just keep moving forward. We've played that. It's just a date. It's just a car. It's just one missed game. And and on in reality, and of course we all make mistakes, right? But sometimes we line those mistakes up and they become paths. And they take us away from where we ultimately want to go. We've all played the fool. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into place is like a foolish, mil- house, foolish man who built his house on sand. And when Jesus said sand, I picture everybody in the crowd going, oh, no. Because they all know where that goes. See, sand, in this case, represents the easy way. Sand represents the fast way, the cheap way. You can just, you know, like, you don't have to think about where. I'm just going to build it here. The the sand represents the beach, right? Like, oh, I want a view. I want to be right there. And the fool says that, like, today's weather is tomorrow's weather. And it's, is that right? It's just not the case. The weather changes. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rain, oh shoot, I'm singing. I was <laughs> trying not to. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down, the stream rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a crash. We've had crashes haven't we? We've had crash moments. We've been with friends and other people we love in their crash moments. Those are sticky moments, aren't they? Those are tricky ones. It's hard to know what to say in those moments, right? And if it's happening to you, it's hard to know what to think. And the reason is when we build our, our, our lives on sand, on something that's not stable, and it crashes, it's really hard to sort out. 
Have you ever been in one of those scenarios where they're just, it's like, well, I have three choices. One of them involves this. One of them involves jail. One of them involves a lot of money. You know, like, like, like have you ever been, okay, maybe not jail, but maybe something like, have you ever had choices set before you? And it's like, none of these are good. <laughs> none of these, I don't like any of these. Can I hit pass? You can't, there's no pass button in life. That's what happens when it crashes down. And we've experienced this. And so this, I, I think this is such a great illustration for Jesus to end with. He's talked about all of these things with authority. He's talked about it. He's got people thinking. He says, listen to something. Listen, before, before, before you leave, let me just put it like this. If, if Please do what I say. Please follow me. Not because it's right and I'm really, you know, like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a nitpicker. I'm a stickler for the laws. He's like, no. He's like, yeah, I guess technically some of these are laws. I want you to follow me because I love you. I care about you. I don't want you to have to deal with Christ. I know storms are coming. I know they're going to beat against you, and I want you to be strong enough to be able to take them. And if you follow me, that's what will happen. But if you don't, if it's like building your house. How do I put this? It's like building your house on sand. And when the storms come, when they inevitably do, as they inevitably do, you're going to have nothing to stand on. And I don't want that for you. I hear pleading in Jesus's voice because when those come crashing down there are no quick fixes there are no easy answers there are no great options a lot of times we have to backtrack our way out of them that's why i'm so passionate about today it is it breaks my heart to see people who are living in the wrong direction living in a way that's taking them away from what they want ultimately in life, and uh, like I get passionate about living in a way that's ultimately taking them away from their God. And, and, and they don't even know it a lot of times. That's what's so sad about it. And so I ask you today, like, time out, okay, a great story. What's your life built on? What have you built your life on? What's important to you? I, I mean, really, what have you built your life on? Here's another, I think this is a great question, a way of saying it. What would other people say? What would the people who know you the best, what would they say you've built your life on? What would they say? What path have you chosen? What words would they use to describe that path? You see, you see how this is a different question of, of do you believe in God? Y you know, like, like, are you a Christian or are you a good person? Like, you see how that's a different question? Do you go to church? <laughs> see, put all that aside. What have you built your life on? Have you committed to doing life the way that God, to following after God's way of life? Or 
or have you, have you committed to doing your way, your life the way God's way of life, or have you, you, you like kind of struck out on your own, and you make a phone call to God every once in a while, usually when you're mad? <laughs> um, Philip Yancey, who lives just down the road from here, is a, is a world-renowned author. And he's, he wrote once, he's like, sometimes I feel like we, we confuse life with God or God with life. It's one of the two. Sometimes we confuse God with life. When life goes bad, God, it means God is bad. You, you know, like we make this mistake of thinking, well, if life is bad, God must not be good. When in reality, what is, is really happening is maybe we've chosen a path that's away from God that not, has nothing to do with God. We say, God, no, I'm going to go this direction because that's what I think is best, and we go away from him. <laughs> and then when it all falls apart, we're like, God, what the heck? And, like, and God's like, I didn't really have anything to do with that because you're doing, I thought you are doing it on your own. The principle of the path works in every area of life. It works spiritually. We'll talk about that in the coming weeks, I think. We'll talk about it in other areas of life, all the, 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 the big ones. And it'll get you thinking. It's got me thinking. The question I want to leave you with is, what do you build your life on? What are you building your life on. And Jesus says that the person who's following him uh, is building, builds it on what, he follows what he says. Here's what I want you to do. Um, I want you to read scripture. Throughout this series, we're actually going to encourage you to read the book of Proverbs. Um, you can do it one of two ways if, if you choose to do this. You could start by reading Proverbs 1 today. Or you can start by reading Proverbs 5 today because it's January 5th. And so if you like lose track along the way, you can catch up by the day. But I want you to read one chapter of Proverbs every day. And, and, and what this will do, and this is for everybody. This is whether you consider yourself a, ch- a Christian or a church person or if, if, if you've read the Bible your whole life or you haven't read it since you were a kid, whatever. It's good for all of us because what we find in Proverbs is God's way of life. It's kind of outlined for us in this bullet, almost like bullet form. It talks a little bit about money. It talks a little bit about being married. It talks a little bit about, you know, like all of these different topics. And the nice thing about it is there's usually enough in each chapter each day that you can take what you need. You like just take one verse and be like, that's my verse for today. And then just watch. As you walk through your day, are you walking with him? Are you building with him? Are you building on what he's given you to build? And Jesus said, if you do, that'll last. And I believe it to be true because I've experienced it in my own life and I've seen it, in, I've seen it in yours. I know a lot of your stories and I know some of the, the steps of faith that you've taken and how it's panned out and the joy that came with it, the exhilaration of like, oh, yes. And I want that for you. I want that for us. I want more of that in my own life.
and want to keep us from the crashes. Let's pray.